Will you turn with me this evening to the book of Ephesians, please? The book of Ephesians. While you're turning, I'll get a drink. Just a couple of verses, but keep your Bible open at Ephesians chapter 2. Ephesians 2, and we'll read verse 12 and verse 13 for a basis of our message this evening. Ephesians 2 and 12. That at that time ye were without Christ, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel, And strangers from the covenants of promise, having no hope, and without God in the world. But now in Christ Jesus, ye who were sometimes, ye who sometimes were afar off, are made nigh by the blood of Christ. Father, thank you for those you've brought this evening. Thank you for this place where we can worship. We thank you for the songs of Zion. We thank you, Lord, that we can lift our eyes to you, our hearts to you, and our hands even to you. And that you're our loving Heavenly Father who sees and knows and hears and answers prayer. Tonight, Father, we pray that your word would have free course again in this place, in hearts and lives of men and women. We pray, O God, that you would strengthen and bless them, encourage those that need encouraged. But, Lord... If there's one or some that are here that are not walking with you, not saved, never come to saving faith in your Son, then tonight, Father, we pray that your Spirit would move upon them. And, O God, that they would come nigh by the blood of Jesus. So, Father, to that end, bless your people for coming tonight. Encourage them. And, Lord, we ask you for those that can't be with us. You just meet them at the point of their need. And, Father, also we pray for those who are watching now life, that you'd give them their portion of the blessing. And, Father, we will give you the praise, the honor, and the glory, for thy alone art worthy. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. The subject or the title of our message this evening is, That was then, but this is now. That was then, But this is now. Notice in chapter 2 of the book of Ephesians and verse 1. Notice how the man and the woman outside of Christ, without Christ. Notice what they were like. What you were like and what I was like outside of Christ. Paul writes in verse 1, And you hath he quickened who were dead. That was then. He's quickened, but this is now. And you hath he quickened who were dead in trespasses and in sins. The idea that Paul gives us here of the word dead, D-E-A-D, means exactly that. It's the word necros, and it means dead as dead as dead could be. Like anonymous an inanimate object. In other words, toward God, we were dead toward him. There's nothing in us that wanted him. There's nothing in us that would be drawn to him. There's nothing in us that would desire him. We were without Christ. 
and we were dead in our trespasses, our law-breaking, the breaking of God's law, we would be guilty as charged and in our sins. And so the apostle tells us that we were destitute of all life that recognizes and is devoted to Christ. So before I was saved and before you were saved, Christian, and if you're not saved, friend, tonight, then you are destitute of a life that recognizes and is devoted to Christ. Can I ask you tonight, is your life, is your life devoted to Christ? Is your life devoted to Christ? For when the Spirit of God comes within a man and a woman and regenerates them, that was then, but this is now. And the this is now is a life that is devoted, devoted to Christ. And all others and all else and all things come in second, third and other places rather than Christ being somewhere down the list of a heart that's went wayward from him. Is your life devoted to Christ or are you destitute without him? That's a question you must ask, answer yourself. Notice what it says in verse 2. This is where that was then. That was our life before Christ. Where in time past ye walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air. Notice the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience. And Paul tells us, look, there was a, a demanding pressure on the deadness of your heart. There's a downward gradient of depravity on the heart of men and women with the fall of Adam falling into death and then spiritual death right away. And notice Paul is saying this. He says, according to these things, what is it that keeps a man and a woman away from Christ? It's because they're dead. And it's because their life demands and desires other things. And we'll look at some of these tonight. But notice what he says. We're in time past. Notice this is, that was then. But he's speaking to believers. He says, but the Holy Spirit has quickened you. This is now. You're different now. When you're saved, you're different. If you have Christ in your life, your life is different. If you love him, then you'll serve him. You'll be devoted to him if you know Christ. That's why the world doesn't know him. And here Paul says, you walked in time past, notice, according to the course of this world. Do you know why when you hear and see, maybe if it's street preachers or maybe you trying to witness and work, why Christ is hated so much in our land and in our nation and society? Because they're dead in their sin. And because they're walking according to the course. In other words, they're going the direction They're going with the flow of all that the world has to offer and has to give. And sadly, many so-called professing believers are going in the same manner. Going with the flow. Living life along with the worldliness. And Paul says, that was then. But now, he says, you're to walk right. You're to be right. You're to follow Christ and have a desire for him. The word according is a little word, kata. Kata. And those of you who have been with me for some time, you already know this because I've told you this many times. But this is for those who have never maybe heard this. 
And the word kataf, or according, according to the course of this world, it gives the idea of a pressing down. The course of this world pressed us down, kept us down, and away from God. That's who you were. And if you're still there, that's who you are. According to the course of this world. Christian, are you allowing the course of this world? Are you allowing the course of all that's going on in this world today? The wickedness and the depravity of it? Are you allowing it to press you down that you will walk along with it? Pressures in work? Pressures in family? Pressures in society? Because if you speak up and speak out, then you're either uh, bigoted or you're, you're racist or you're whatever else. You're homophobic or you're... You're Islamophobic or you're something else-phobic or a phobic of something else. We see they're all Bibliophobics. They're afraid of the Bible. They're afraid of the word. Bibliophobia. (laughs) And you might be walking according to the course of this world. And if you are, Paul's saying, with the Spirit of God working in a man and the Holy Spirit of God working in a woman, they are to walk different. They are to be different. They are to live different. They are to be devoted, a life devoted to loving Christ. For my God saved, I've grew to love him. The more I get to know him, the more I love him. It's like the chorus said, and I'm not going to start singing again because we sang a lot this morning. We sang a lot before here tonight. The longer I serve him, the sweeter he grows. So the more that I love him, more love he bestows. Each day is like heaven, my heart overflows. The longer I serve him, the sweeter he grows. Oh, taste unseen that the Lord is good. Is your life devoted to Christ? Notice that was then we lived in those those times and that condition, but this is now. Notice we're walking in time past, but the dominance or the pressing down of the course of this world according to the prince of the power of the air. Notice there's the word according with the dominance of the devil. The dominance of spiritual wickedness in high places. Isn't that what's happening today? There's spiritual wickedness in high places. Whether we talk about it in a talk, I'm not going into it tonight, about elitism, and it's all down through government and all the laws that they're making. No matter what it is, it's spiritual wickedness in high places. And they're pressed down. The church has been pressed down. The church has been dominated by these things. Rather than be dominated by the Word of God. Rather than be taken up in the Spirit. They have been walking according to the prince of the power of the earth. Listen, the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience, the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience means the impersuadable. In other words, no matter how much you would preach, no matter how much you would teach, no matter what you would say or witness or testify, some people, they just hate the things of God. Just hate him. I hear his gospel. But sure, maybe you were like that one time. I used to say blasphemous things about the Lord. I didn't care. Notice here, they're impersuadable, but it takes 
the Holy Ghost. And you have he quickened. He made you alive. He came and wakened you up from a sleep of death. He made you alive. The word, uh, the word means to reanimate. He made you alive. And forgive me for repeating myself, C-E-T, but there are people maybe don't know what Paul means here. And I just want to throw it out again. When you have an a, a, a art and a cartoon, say, for example, an animation, and you have the wee man standing, and you put him in one page, and the next page maybe he's walking like this, and the next page he's like that, and then he's like this, and then he's like that. And when you flick the pages, you see the wee man walking, don't you? You see him walking. That's animation. Still pictures all going. You see, when Adam fell in the garden, and when death came on Adam, And so we received Adam's germs. That's what Paul tells us here. We became dead in our trespasses, dead in our sins. We were bereft and far off from God. And what happened was we were like the stick man. We became static because Adam used to walk with the Lord in the cool of the day. And the Lord would have spoken to him. He was animated to God. And there he died. He's like a a man who's living. Then he's static and he died. There's people like that and they're backslidden like that. He used to walk with the Lord. He used to talk with the Lord. They used to pray. They used to be out at the meetings. They used to be going and doing missionary work even. Some are even used to be in ministry. And listen, they used to be alive under Christ and now they're dead. Stickman dead. There are those still in their sin and they're dead. Destitute of all life. Destitute of Christ. Are without Christ. And you hath he quickened. Zapoyo is the word here for quickened. It means to re notice reanimate. Animation was what Adam was. He was animated, alive with God, walking in life with God. And he became dead. The Holy Ghost comes to the heart of the man and the woman, even to the old dead religious heart. The sinful heart, the drunkard's heart, uh, the harlot's heart, the addict's heart. And he comes and they're dead to him, dead to Christ. They're without Christ. And he comes and he quickens them, speaks to them. He makes them alive. He reanimates them. That's the word here for for you hath he quickened the Holy Spirit. He, he, he hath reanimated. He makes you alive again unto God. You recognize your sin. You behold the Christ on the cross as the sin bearer. The one who paid your debt in his totality and in its fullness. And you cry for mercy unto him. And there you're washed in the blood. You're born of the Spirit. You're alive again unto God. Can I ask you another question tonight? Are you alive? Are you alive unto God? Are you alive to him? Does your beating heart chase after him? Desire him? Does your mind be fixed in focus on him? Does your love extend to him? Are you alive? to God. Maybe you've died in the sense where you fell away and you're not what you used to be. Well, you know, tonight the Holy Ghost can quicken you, stir you up according to the word, make you alive to see and behold and love the Savior again. 
the same behold the love the Christ again, the Lamb of God again, and to walk with him and to talk with him. But he tells you, I am his own. Notice here what Paul is saying is that we were like this. That was then, but this, this is now. He says in verse 3, among whom also we all had our conversation in times. Notice, in times past, in the lust of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind. And we're by nature, by physis is the word nature, gives the idea of germs, gives the idea of lineal descent from Adam. We took his sin germs. We, we, we are lineal, lineally, lineally descended from Adam. And Paul is telling us here, he, he says, we were all in Adam. But when the Holy Ghost quickens you and makes you alive and you're blood washed and you're born again of the Spirit, he says, you're now in Christ. You were dead and now you're alive. You were in darkness and now you're in light. Take note of this. He says we were the children of wrath, under God's wrath, even as others. We were no different as them. We were the same as them. But God who is rich in mercy, for his great love wherewith he has loved us, even when we were dead, hath quickened us together with Christ. By grace ye are saved. And hence when we, we read this, Paul is telling us that was then. But this is now. Walk right And hence, when we look at our reading here tonight, in verse 12, he says, that at that time you were without Christ. And this time, he says, you were without Christ. Ken, you were without Christ. Yes, I was. I wasn't even a good Presbyterian. I was on the road, but I wasn't ever sitting in the seat. Not that that would save me. You were without Christ, Ken. I was. You walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air. Yes, I did. You put your name in there. That was then. But this is now. In Christ. Hendrickson. Listen to what he says about verse 12. He says, in time past, or we were, or ye were, if for the individual touch, he says, ye were Christless, stateless, friendless, hopeless, and godless. He starts verse 12 by, Paul starts verse 12 by saying that at that time ye were without Christ. Ye were without Christ. That was then. Notice what he says, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers from the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. So the first verse, or pardon me, the first 12, the first line he says, you're without Christ. And by the end of the verse he says, you were without God. Without Christ. And you were without God. Here we find that Hendrickson says you're Christless without Christ. You were stateless. In other words, we were aliens from the commonwealth of Israel. We were friendless. In other words, we had no friends. Here, 
Paul talks about the strangers from the covenant's promise. Peter talks about the strangers scattered abroad, the scattered sheep of Israel. And here uh, Paul tells us that we were like those scattered sheep. Paul tells us here that we were strangers of the covenants of promise, away from God, away from the covenants of God. We were aliens from the commonwealth of Israel. We were friendless strangers from the covenants of promise. We were hopeless. He says, you're having no hope. After these lines, in the middle of verse 12, he goes, having no hope. Kenya, no hope. And you placed your hope in this, and you placed your hope in that. You placed your hope in doctors, and you placed your hope in medical profession. You placed your hope in this one, that one, and the other one to try and get you off the drugs. Counselors, I was at them all. I was at them all. You place your hope in it. And I'm not against doctors and medical profession. I'm not against, I'm not against science properly so-called. But I was at them all. I was without hope because I was without Christ. And I was without God. And so were you, brothers and sisters, no matter what state you were in. But I can tell you now, I'm found in Christ. My hope is Christ. And Christ is my hope. Who are you trusting in tonight that you might be in God's heaven? What are you trusting in tonight that you might be in God's glory in the kingdom? You were friendless strangers from the covenants, having no hope. You were godless without God in the world. So here's what I had written just after that. I had written, when a man or a woman are saved, they then realize the eternal danger their soul was in. I didn't know because I was dead in my trespasses and in my sins, because I was dominated and pressed down according to the course of this world, according to the part of the prince of the air, according to the spirit of disobedience that was in me. I didn't realize the danger that my soul was in, the eternal danger that I was in. I didn't realize. It's only when God came and saved me that I realized with gratitude that I realized what he has saved me from, but where he has saved me to. friend, if you knew, if you're not saved tonight, if you're not right with God tonight, if you only knew the eternal danger your soul is in, you'd run to him. You would run to him. You'd plead with him. You see, we can auction Jesus off. You know, and we we plead, and we do try to persuade all men. We do that. We try to persuade men and women to come to Christ. Of course we do. We present the gospel. We present the Lamb. We present the Word. We present Him as the sin bearer. We present it all as resurrected from the dead. Of course we do. But sometimes we try so much, we auction it all, auction, as it were, Jesus off to the highest bidder. Please, somebody accept Him. But really, it should be the sinner running into Him crying for mercy because he's awakened them from their dead sleep. From the sleep of death, the spiritual death of trespasses and sins. And he's called them from darkness and brought them into his marvelous light. It's time to cry unto him. To plead with him for mercy. 
Lord, have mercy on my soul. Have mercy on me, a sinner. Notice here, when a man and a woman are saved, then they then realize the eternal danger their soul was in. They were without Christ. If a man and woman is without Christ, then they're without God. And if they're without God, then they're without hope. Will you turn with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 4, please? 2 Corinthians chapter 4. And while you're turning, I'm just going to get a drink. It's warm up here tonight. It was freezing cold a couple of weeks ago, and now it's at Parboil. I feel like a, I feel like a chicken in my park. Second Corinthians chapter four, please. And will you let your your eye run down, if you will, to verse three? Paul writes, "But if our gospel be hid, it is hid to them that are lost." You see, that's you and I. We were lost sheep. Not lost goats, by the way. I was always a sheep. I was always his. So were you. And he called us. But if our gospel be hid, it is hid to them that are lost. Notice, in whom the God of this world hath blinded the minds of them which believe not. Lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine unto them. For we preach not ourselves, but Christ Jesus the Lord, and ourselves your servants for Jesus' sake. Notice, for God who commanded the light to shine out of darkness hath shined in our hearts to give us the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. I want you to notice something here. Notice here, Paul says... That the gospel is hid to those who are lost and whom the God of this world hath blinded the minds of them which believe not. In other words, those who refuse the gospel, it's like they have a blindfold over them. And the idea here is that they are spiritually blunted. It's the idea of this. They're not sharp in their spirit to be able to perceive. In other words, they have a blunt edge on them. You can't get through. And the God of this world, the devil has like a blindfold on that their mind cannot perceive nor receive the things of God. Notice what he says, though. He says in verse 4, In whom the God of this world hath blinded the minds of them which believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine unto them. For we preach not ourselves, but Christ Jesus the Lord, and ourselves are servants for Jesus' sake. In other words, Paul is saying here, it's no use Paul preaching Paul. It's no use Paul coming to say, I can help you. You see, we can't be saved by our grandmother or our grandparents, our grandfathers or our parents' faith. And Paul says, look, it's no good Paul coming preaching Paul. And it's no good Ken preaching Ken. Because Ken was a sinner in need of salvation and so was Paul. But he says, look, I'm here as a servant to tell you of a wonderful master. I'm here to tell you of a, a gracious God And a glorious Christ. He says it's him. 
It's him, it's him who I present unto you. It's not of Paul nor of any other. And then he goes on to say in verse 6, For God, notice, for God who commanded the light to shine out of darkness has shined in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. You see, for God who commanded the light to shine out of darkness, he says, this is who you were. You're blinded, spiritually blunted, no discernment of mind or thought, nothing toward the Lord. You cannot save yourself nor think, as it were, heavenly for yourself. Nothing toward the true and living God who you cannot know except through the Spirit and the Word pointing to Christ. And Paul is telling us here that the Word shined out of darkness and has shined in our hearts. The day you got saved, the day or the evening, the night, the afternoon you heard the gospel and the Holy Ghost quickened you The light of the glory of God shone in your heart. Think about it. Of all the people in the room, maybe where you were, of maybe the church or the tent as you are here, or, or of all the people in the area where you are tonight, of all the people, God shone his light into your heart because he loves you. He fixed his love on you. He shined his light that you might Know him in glory. You see, Paul is saying, he hath shined in our hearts. You see, that was then, he says, but he shined in our hearts. But this is now. But this is now. Rufus McDaniel. It's a good name, isn't it? His actual name is Rufus H. McDaniel. But he wrote a wee hymn. And we have sang it here quite a few times too. What a wonderful change in my life has been wrought since Jesus came into my heart. Really meaning that he, the Spirit of the Lord, enters the man and the woman and lives in them lives in them and conducts them to walk before him. Ye were without Christ. If you'll turn again to our reading of Ephesians 2. Notice, ye were without Christ. And we were without God. Maybe you're still in that position. You're still without Christ. You're still without God and you're still without any hope. Ephesians 2 and 12. At that time ye were without Christ, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers from the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. You know, when I think of my life without Christ and without God in the world, in the world that we're in. It's the word aeon. It's this, this period of time, this 
expanse of time that we have been in without God. People have lived without God and they die without God. Without God, without Christ, without hope in the world. Look at Ephesians chapter 5. Just flick over for me if you will. Notice what the apostle says here. And he's he's exhorting us to to be followers of, of the Lord. Be therefore followers of God as dear children. Notice as dear children. In other words, children who are pleasing, children who are good children, but children who love him because he first loved them. Notice walk in love, not walk in condemnation. But he wants you to walk in love as Christ also hath loved us and hath given himself for us, an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet-smelling savour. Now notice, but fornication and all uncleanness and covetousness, let it not be once named among you as becometh saints. Now listen, saints isn't the canonization of a dead uh, person who's went on into, into eternity and they've been canonized or eulogized or anything by the papacy. A saint is a man and a woman in whom Christ lives. Paul writes to the saints at when he writes to the churches, to the saints at living, loving, and serving God, knowing Christ. And Paul says here, fornication and all uncleanness and covetousness, let it not be once named among you as become a saint. And he's saying, that was then. You used to be like that, but this is now. Don't do it. People think, well, you know, I went up an aisle and I said a wee prayer or I stuck up my hand. Listen, I was saved in an altar call, so I'm not saying anything against that. But many people say that. And they think that they're saved. And they think, well, I've, I've went on for a wee bit or I went to a few meetings, but now I can live how I like because I said I was saved. Paul says the fruit of the Spirit in your life will be shown forth in your life if you're saved. Now, I believe if you're saved, you're saved. And if you're saved, he'll keep you. But I believe if you're saved, and even if you fall, you'll go on with him. You can't live in sin. As our pastor used to say to us all the time, listen, you can't live wrong and die right. You can't live wrong and die right, friend. And Paul is saying, to put all these things away from you has become a saint. Notice verse 4. Neither filthiness, nor foolish talking, nor jesting, which are not convenient, but rather the giving of thanks. For this, know, for this ye know, that no whoremonger, nor unclean person, nor covetous, who is an idolater, hath any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and of God. Paul's saying... Do you think you can live wrong and die, right? Do you think you're not going to stand before God in that day? 
Do you think because maybe you have said a little prayer and you've maybe had a little ritual, do you think because you have had infant baptism as a child, the Church of Rome does it, the Anglicans do it, even the Presbyterians do it, there is the baptism of the child. See, it's a covenant child. And if it's a covenant child, you know what they say? Then it must be saved. They grow up thinking they can live how they like and die how they like, but they're without Christ and without God. Notice this. Verse 6, let no man deceive you with vain words, for because of these things cometh the wrath of God upon the children of disobedience. Upon the children of disobedience. The wrath of God upon those who are impersuadable. Under wrath. You know, we have some people, oh, I I don't know exactly how many, but we have, uh, in the last uh, month maybe, month and a half, we have had maybe two to three hundred people come online to follow our Facebook ministry from uh, Canada, mainly Newfoundland. And with people from all over, but I think our, I think there's about 12,000, 12,500 people follow us. But there's a few hundreds, just all came on. You know why? One of them said, I wish we had what you're preaching. I heard Glenn preaching, shared some of his stuff. I've seen him and Andrew around the table and the preaching of the word here. And I'm just saying what to say, even right up to this weekend. In fact, up to yesterday, we find it hard to get a church where they will preach the gospel and tell the people what they need to do. We wish we had it where we are in Canada. Newfoundland mainly and some in Toronto. And here's why I'm saying this, brothers and sisters. Let no man deceive you with vain words. You know, let's have a wee get together tonight and I'll give you a wee 10 minute epilogue. And I'll tell you that, listen, you're all right because God loves you anyway. You can do whatever you want. Well, I'm going to tell you something as well as them. I will stand before him and give a greater account than than you will for what we teach you. I'm conscious that I will give an account. And every man and woman, whether it's confirmation as a an Anglican or a Roman Catholic or whatever else, confirmation to say, well, you're all right now and you can live how you like or you can do what you want. I'm not saying uh, that there aren't good people. I'm saying that a lot of people think they're saved because they don't hear it. Listen, you're without Christ and you're without God. Paul says, be not therefore partakers with them. Doesn't sound Christ-like, sure it doesn't. Don't fellowship with people if they're living a lifestyle like this. Fornication, uncleanness, covetous. If they're filthy, 
foolish talking and jesting, whoremongers and so on. He says, don't even have anything to do with them. Don't you fellowship with them. But today it's like, oh no, we have to accept everything and love everyone and bring them all in and let's all have this little huggy, huggy, good time together. Isn't that what they're saying? And Paul says, listen, don't have anything to do with that. Let's have your, 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 your same-sex marriage in the church and, and let's make way for them and hang their flag from the ceiling and, and do all of these things. And that's going on in the church. Paul says, have nothing to do with them. Be not partakers with them. It's hard, isn't it? And already people maybe maybe here but online, some might say, Oh, you know what, that's very hard. I don't think I'll switch on here again. Well, that's okay. You know what? That's it and not me. You read it in your own Bible, do you? That's it, it's not me. We can't change this word because of society's so-called progression. I would call it digression. When they can murder the innocent in the womb, the drop of a hat, bring it right up to birth, to pull their legs, their arms, and their heads off. Just bring them all in. It's all right. You can do all that and come to church. Stand before God. Will stand before God. Every Christ rejecter will stand before God. Doesn't matter how much we bow the head. Yes, oh, I, I believe. Oh, I, yes, yes, I believe that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Speaking with their lips. Oh, yes, I believe Jesus died. Oh, yes, I would even believe that. Some would say, yes, I believe he died. In the, oh, I, I believe he went to the grave. I. Think he rose on the third day. Yes, I believe that. And you see, this people honors me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. It's the same Christian when you're walking with him. That guy was saved and gone on with God and I was this sort of listen, but your heart because of your lifestyle is far from him. Your heart is far. I struggle to get through a day without him. I struggle to get through one day without him. Verse 8. For ye were sometimes darkness. For ye were sometimes darkness. See the word sometimes here. The word sometimes is the word pate. Pate. That means, it doesn't mean just, well, sometimes you were, sometimes you weren't. It doesn't mean that. Let me get a drink. It doesn't mean sometimes you were, sometimes you weren't. Paul means you were formerly, formerly, or aforetime, you were darkness. Not you were in darkness, you were darkness. I believe that about me, you know that. Not because I was such this big bad man, but I know where I was, and I know what I was in, but I know what I'd done, and I know the things that I'd been through, and I was darkness. A vessel of death and darkness. 
Paul says, for ye were sometimes darkness. And you see here the words, ye were. That was then. Ye were. That was then. You underline that. For here's what it means. For ye were sometimes darkness means. It gives the idea. It's an in an emphatic position. This word is what you call an emphatic position in the original text. And what Paul was saying was this. You were darkness. It's emphatic. That's the way it reads. For you were darkness. And that was then. You want to go back to darkness, Christian? Professor of Christ, who professes him as Lord, wants to live in darkness, wants to walk in this course of word, who wants to go along with all the things they put upon us, just because it seems right in the sight of all people, in the darkness of it. You want to walk in it and sleep in it and live in it and eat in it. Paul says, ye were. That's the way he writes it. It's emphatic. For you were sometimes, or you were aforetime, you were in darkness. But that was then. And he's saying, don't go back. Don't go back. Don't live in an open course of sin. And don't go back. For you were sometimes darkness, or you were formerly darkness. Notice what he says. But now, ye were And then emphatically he goes, but now, but now you've met Christ. But now you've been blood washed. But now you're blood bought. But now you've been born again. But now you've been filled with the Spirit. But now you've been sealed with the Holy Ghost of promise. Ye were, but now. Ken was there. I was in the emphatic position of darkness. But now... I'm in light. And the idea of this word, but now are ye light in the Lord. Uh, see the word here for light. It's the word phos. It doesn't speak of the lamp. You know, we always think that we have to be lights. We have to be lamps as like the, the seven branch menorah candlestick in the, tap, in the temple uh, and then the tabernacle before that. It's not what it means here. It means you're the actual light itself now. In Christ, your life, you should be walking around, not just as a lamp. You need to switch a lamp on to get the light out. But here it's just a beam of light. Every dark corner of society, every dark corner of government, every dark uh, ungodly law that they bring in, every dark place in our lives, every dark place where you are and where I am, we are light. He says, you were darkness. You fitted in well. Dark fits in well with dark. I want you to get it. If we turn the lights out and we were able to take a piece of dark from outside and you bring a piece of dark inside, it won't make any difference. Dark fits with dark. But if you turn the lights out tonight and it's pitch black in here and I come in with a torch and shine a light in, that beam will come right across here. You see... The thing is, darkness only exists where there's an absence of light. And we're in a place and point in time where you're going to need to be the light.
You need to be the light now. But you're really going to need to shine because it's getting darker. Let me round this up. That was then. Formerly you were darkness. But now are you light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. And he speaks of the fruit of the Spirit. This emphatically speaks of the transformation of the lives of all who are regenerated by the Holy Spirit and found in Christ. Turn with me to 1 Corinthians 6, please. 1 Corinthians chapter 6. I'm going to round this up. And let your eye run down, please, just to verse 9. Paul says, Know ye not that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God. Be not deceived. Now he's talking to you and I here. The Holy Ghost is speaking to us. Be not deceived. Neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor effeminate, nor abusers of themselves with mankind. You need to read Romans 1 and find out more about that. Nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, Talking to any drunkards tonight? Maybe thieves? Nor revilers, nor extortioners shall inherit the kingdom of God. So Paul says, that's who you were. These people will not inherit the kingdom of God. Nor the next verse, verse verse 11. And such were some of you. Notice the past tense. He says, that was then. That's who you were. But this is now. People will try and dig up your background and dig up your past and talk about your past sins and faults and failures. But listen, see when you've got saved and you're under the blood. You see, that was then. But this is now. This is now. Notice what he says. And such were some of you, but ye are washed, but ye are sanctified, but ye are justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of our God. Notice you're washed. That means to wash away fully all my darkness, all my sin, all my transgressions, all your iniquities. All of it has been washed away by the blood of the Lamb. I am washed in the blood. can never get enough preaching about the blood. Those who preach the blood are a dying breed, but sure will die preaching the blood. The blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. The blood of Jesus Christ, His Son, cleanseth us from all sin, from all your sin. He doesn't leave a wee bit out to condemn you at the end. He does leave a wee bit for you to try and clean your act up. He washes it away himself. Paid the debt in his fullness. You are sanctified. It means to set apart for God's use. And you're justified. It means God pronounces you and I righteous. Listen to this. In 1 Peter 2, 
Verse 24, speaking of Christ on the cross, Peter writes, Who his own self bare our sins in his own body on the tree. That we, notice, being dead to sins, should live unto righteousness, by whose stripes ye were, past tense, healed. For we were, this is who we were, as sheep going astray, but now, notice, but now, but that was then, but this was now, but now, returned unto the shepherd and bishop of your souls. Okay, finish with this, promise. Last one was a false alarm. <laughs> Ephesians 2, our reading, verse 12, that at that time ye were without Christ, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers from the covenants of promise, having no hope without God in the world. You see, that was then. Verse 13. What does it say? The first two words. What does the first two words say of verse 13? Shut it out. Shut it out loud, would you? But now, shut it out. Paul says, but now. That's who you were. But now. That was then. But this is now. This is who you are if you're saved tonight. But now in Christ Jesus, ye who were sometimes afar off, are made nigh by, by what? The blood of Christ. See, we're not made nigh by our church denomination. We're not made nigh by our riches or by our poverty. We're not made nigh by what we have done, by the works of our hands, by our rituals and our ceremonies and all the pomp that comes with it. We're not made nigh to Christ by any of that. He says, but now in Christ Jesus, ye who were sometimes afar off are made nigh by the blood of Christ. Would you read that verse out for me? Verse 13. Let's read it together. It's up on the screen here. Yes. Let's read it. Verse 13. But now in Christ Jesus, ye who were sometimes afar off are made nigh by the blood of Christ. I want you to read it one more time and see when you say made nigh by the blood of Christ. More not the devil here. I'm made nigh. I'm made close. I'm brought into fellowship by the blood of Christ. I'm forgiven by the blood of Christ. I'm washed by the blood of Christ. I am no longer hopeless by the blood of Christ. It's all by the blood of Christ. Let's read it as we close this. You ready? Verse 13. And when we get there, by the blood of Christ, even shout it out. Come on, we'll not throw you out. I do enough shouting and my throat's nearly away already after all that singing. But let's read it. But now, in Christ Jesus... You're getting better. There's a wee bit more coming. There's maybe more crowd over here, you see, and they're, they're raising their voices. Maybe maybe we just do it one more time. Come on, let, it, let the devil hear it. Come on. 
You're, you're, you're going home sometimes and you're wondering, some people are wondering where they are with God, and some people are wondering, how did I ever get saved, and what's ever paid my debt, and people wonder what you have that they don't have. It's the blood of Christ. It's the blood of Christ. Let's really shout it out. Come on. Listen, see if you were at the football match yesterday. I don't watch football. I, I, I don't watch football. I, do, I couldn't tell you who's in what team or anything about it. But you hear them shouting at the top of their lungs, don't you? Cheering for the goal and all. Come on. Let's really read this loud and shout, by the blood of Christ. Not the devil. Let yourself hear yourself say it. Will you? Let's read it again. Verse 13. But now... Sister Jeannie, you keep that up and I ain't getting you up to sing. Well, keep it up. <laughs> Amen. So you talk about the blood of Christ. Started singing about the blood of Christ this morning. It's like the hymn writer wrote, The Spirit answers to the blood. The Spirit answers to the blood. Spirit answers to the blood and tells me I am born of God. Team, would you come up, please?